Pretty Mental is about accepting our full selves and inspiring others to do the same by being daringly unfiltered. This means completely normalizing all things mental health and the wild journey that has brought us here. We are challenging the stigmatization of normal human suffering, and we are done pretending and subscribing to the notion that it is taboo to have challenging mental health experiences. Welcome to the Pretty Mental Health Club, and enjoy the show. Pretty Mental Familia. In today's podcast, we dove into more jungle adventures in my most two recent ceremonies with the powerful medicine of combo, which you will hear more about in this podcast, com- the, about the power of combo. And basically, it is poison from a frog, and I put it in my body, and it made me do things. <laughs> so... I will dive deeper into this as you guys go along. And Paula also jumped in with her latest life updates. We take you guys into a deeper experience or understanding of what OCD is and always understanding what OCD is. Inherently, you're going to understand what anxiety is more. And I kind of take you guys through a deep dive of my own understanding and learning through what it's like to have our psyche function in this way, through my own personal experiences with transcending these patterns in myself and working with these patterns in myself. So it's exposure and response prevention in real time, the jungle edition and the city edition. Do you hear the rainstorm in the background? I don't know how much this microphone (laughs) catches. God damn it. This is literally me every two minutes with Paul. Do you hear the monkeys? Do you hear the gecko? No. Fine. Well, with that pretty mental family, take in a deep breath with us. And tune in. Before we jump into the episode, we want to highlight our sponsor, Conscious Conversion, recently known as Resonate with Sarah. Conscious Conversion is a holistic multimedia marketing agency for thought leaders of the new paradigm. We love them because their main mode of operating, which also filters out the clients they bring on, is making sure that the message is in alignment with your mission in the world and that your mission in this world is in alignment with where the plan is heading right now, that your mission is here to help awaken the planet and move evolution forward. Whatever your offering is, they use Google, YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram ads to cut through the clutter of the internet and amplify your message on a massive scale. They also offer organic social media, copywriting, and so much more. We'll link their website in the show notes if you guys are interested in more information. We highly suggest you check them out if your ears perk up when you hear this. We also want to highlight our second sponsor, Awaken Village Press, an indie publishing house who is here to awaken the planet one book at a time. 
whether you are a current author or an author-to-be Awakened Village Press, is here to guide you every single step of the way from the idea stage to the publishing stage. We all have a message to share and Awakened Village Press is here to help you birth yours and bring it out into the universe. When we liberate our messages, we first liberate ourselves and then we liberate everyone else who comes in contact with our words. We are going to put all of their information in the links below in the show notes. So make sure to check them out. And now back to our episode. We open up the space calling in our higher selves, calling in our ancestors, our spirit guides, our angels, all of the energies that walk with us in this lifetime. We open our hearts, our throats to all of our truths that want to come out for the highest healing of ourselves, for the highest healing of our community, and for the highest healing of the planet, and for the highest healing that everyone in our community comes in contact with. We are here. We are open. The portal is now open. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) What up? What up? How's it going? Finally, oh my God, guys, finally, we really tried to record this podcast three different times last week. You guys have no idea what this Wi-Fi situation has been. Yeah. At some point I was like, okay, all right, maybe I'm ready for Valentina to go back to LA. Like, <laughs> Enough with this adventure. I know. <laughs> I was literally chasing the Wi-Fi around town from cafe to cafe. And then finally I was like, I'm fucking done with this shit. I literally was like, I'm going to the beach, I'm done. Went to three different places. I felt so bad. I had a vision of you like all sweaty, scrambling on your bike, trying to make it to different places. (laughs) Well, I'm always sweaty here. There's always at least one or two layers of sweat on me. I wonder how I would feel. (laughs) I think I can can do it, but I am a little more um, like... Bougie? Yeah, a little bit more. A little bit more. I'm not everybody's natural body odors and whatever may be happening when everyone is sweating all the time. No, I get turned on by must. But by the right must. Like the pheromone situation matters. Did y'all hear that? See, we're not trying to be conventional on this podcast (laughs) at all. I got out of the shower and I was scrubbing my face with my towel or drying my face. I felt a little bump on it on the towel. So I moved it away and it was a big ass beetle. That's my life here. Before I go to bed, I have to take a few like I I now touch them like I grab them. I take a few bugs off my bed. Last night there was gecko poop on my bed there. (laughs) You have to check your shoe. You have to check your shoes for scorpions. Dude, I feel like anybody with anxiety needs to go to a retreat in the jungle. Oh, my God. It has literally been initiation after initiation since the millisecond that I got here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have no idea. It's morning, afternoon, and night. There's not one moment that – and at first it was super, super just like, whoa, Jesus Christ, this is a lot. That was also because I was living in the community. That was really isolated. It was up in the mountains in the jungle, right? So oh, yeah. the energy, it was like a vortex. When you got to the Airbnb, I was like, uh-huh. <laughs> She's going to get happy in the Airbnb. Dude, so happy. I mean, there's still bugs and gecko poop and like, you know, bats flying in and out of the house. But that's nothing. I'm a warrior now. 
<laughs> I'm telling you, I, you know, this future retreat that lives in our vision right now, that wouldn't be a bad I was thing. like, retreat in Ibiza? <laughs> <laughs> Champagne for everybody. <laughs> we will start our morning setting our mental health intentions with a glass of champagne. And a little sound bath. That's like yeah. a lot of that wellness um, stuff that we're used to here. It's really beautiful and really nurturing, but it's also very comfortable. So it doesn't get you to the other side of anxiety requires that we face into the things. It's yes. a whole thing, dude. It's yes. crazy. I feel like with each year that passes in my mental health career, the more deeply I understand anxiety and it's everything you think is going to help your anxiety. Treating anxiety is um, counterintuitive. It's counterintuitive. So it actually requires kind of getting in there, getting uncomfortable, getting to the other side of it. So... You know, Ibiza may not do that for us. It'll feel really good. We got to get out of our comfort zones. Totally. I mean, like I told you in the last podcast, there were moments where I was like, fuck, this is like really, really hard. And in those moments were the moments that I was just like, this is it. This is like the fucking golden ticket for Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, like the equivalent of like cure not curing but like ex or expanding your tolerance for discomfort and bringing greater peace to yourself those moments if you can just sit and breathe and tolerate and and like dive into them Consciously you know not suppress them. them not suppress them in any way because I used to do that and that wasn't good and now it's just like okay this is it and it's not going to break me and I am going to be my mother my father my sister my brother my best friend throughout this moment and we will make it through the other side we just will that's the only option that I've been giving myself and I do every single time and then I feel even more strong and even more strong and like I literally feel like a warrior out here dun 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 Look yeah I mean I was mark. just Boom. about to say Boom. Is that, is that a permanent tattoo now? No, it's not. So oh. Paula's talking about my combo marks on my arms. How many are I'm, there? So this is from my first ceremony on my right arm. It's five. And then my second ceremony that I did yesterday morning on Halloween was six. Does that and hurt? then I'm going to do another one next Sunday. Does it hurt when they're like poking you? That's the least of your worries. <laughs> really? Hell yeah. Oh my God. Dude, tell people so, about combo because... Yeah. Well, as you heard in the last podcast, well, before I came to Costa Rica, I was like, let's do some. I'm ready for ceremonies. It's the land of ceremonies. I may do ayahuasca again. I may do yahe. You know, I'm ready to dive in. Let this be transformational. And then I got here and I was very, it was very apparent that the jungle was a whole psychedelic in and of itself. Mm -hmm. And I lost my interest in going deeper into that you know it was enough to deal yeah. with so but then combo presented itself and combo is a physical experience it's not psychedelic combo is the secretion of a frog that i believe it's comes, frog poison it's frog poison essentially yeah so the people i did it with studied under the shipibo people of peru and i really love how they did it because in some instances, some healers, they tie the frogs up to make them uncomfortable, to mm. make them secrete more. 
but the people who guided us they hold the toe the frog and they just scrape the secretion off like they say they do not understand why people tie it up they just scrape the secretion off of the toe the frog and, and that's enough yeah and also there's no there's no stress hormones being secreted into their nectar you know i was just I'm thinking not, about that yeah i yeah. don't want to take their their fucking venom doused with cortisol level like hell no <laughs> <laughs> and but the, the, everyone in the jungle respects that frog because they know that if they were to attack it they're about to go into a combo ceremony so the frequency of combo holds no fear it knows it's safe everywhere it goes and it is a huge they call it the vaccine of the jungle Mm-hmm. It is, you know, people go to cure cancer. They go to cure everything and anything. Infertility, um, they have this one dude who did it with our people. He was 70 years old and had psoriasis his entire life. And he did, they recommend three sessions for the the warrior, you know, to if you're looking to cure something specific, three sessions. Or if you're looking to really shed any, any kind of ancestral baggage very intentionally, three doses. So this dude, after 70 years of having heavy psoriasis all over his body, cured it in three doses. So it purges your whole system, right? It, it purges because it, your Because whole it's a poison. I don't know a lot about it, but this is the little that I understand is that because it's a poison, as soon as it, it goes into your system, your body starts purging everything, right? Yeah. So the the venom is very intelligent. It goes into your body and go. You don't. You have your intentions, and then also once it gets into your body, you can completely surrender, knowing that it knows exactly what it's doing. It goes where it needs to go. Mm-hmm. And during my and before they do the combo, they administer rape. So rape is a mix of sacred tobacco and a few other a few other powders that I forgot. But <laughs> go Google I'm it. Just, the I'm information about the, uh, the logistics. Once I'm there, I'm just like, give it to me or get this over with. You're experiential. But, right. And rape is blown into your nose. And it was my first time experiencing rape. Oh my God. They gave me a hero dose on that first one. They intentional I mean, or did they like not mean to do that? No, they, they know what they're doing. So it was me and two other people. And first, what they did was, well, okay, before I dive into this, my intentions were to cure any imbalances in my womb, my gut, and my heart, and then just in in my energetic body in general. So I went into it with that, right? Mm-hmm. Then I they administered the rape. It's this powder. They blow it straight into your nose. And I cannot tell you the, like, I have a video of it. <laughs> I asked them if I could record it. I look like I am suffering on the 10th, like to the 10th degree. Super uncomfortable. I, oh my God. It shot straight up to my brain and took over my entire body. And I, I couldn't tell up from down side to side. I was so disoriented and started shaking, like crazy shaking and sweating. And I just was like, get this out of my body. Like what in the world? And but the second that happened, they administer the rape because it is what opens. Do you hear the gecko in the background? I don't know. If the A little bit. It's never going to sound as much on our end. Damn. I wish you could hear this. There's like geckos, monkeys and a bunch of other things I don't know in the background right now. Where was I? Oh, yeah. So, so rape, the second it hit. rape helps open the it op- <clears throat> it's like a gate. 
it opens the dimensions from the spiritual dimension to where you're at. And through the discomfort, the second it hit me, I felt more. I mean, it was, oh, I wish I could make y'all just see how clear it was for me. My, there was my, a group of people around me. Your spirit guides? You saw yes. them? Oh, yes. Literally? Like, literally. Like, it, I, mean, I didn't see like their characteristics. I'm like, <laughs> what color was their hair? <laughs> big lips and blue eyes. They was, it was just like all. In the energy field around you? An energy field. Like, boom in my face around me. You could not mistake it. But it it did feel in the shape of people. It wasn't just, like, random light. Like, it did feel in that shape. But it was, like, white light emanating through them. And it what it felt like my ancestors, my guides, and just my team. I felt like my team that was here in this lifetime. They were right next to me. And... I wanted, I started wanting to, through the intensity of Rape and the total discomfort, I started wanting to speak to them, like, like guide me through this. I, you know, how I do it in the beginning of these podcasts, like I open myself to you guide. And they literally were like, we're handling this dimension. Take care of your body. And they said, take care of your physical, take care of your physical. So I just, I was like, okay. And I went back into just breathing and trying to, because it's in the discomfort is like, it's very next level. And they just kept telling me we're handling the energetic and the spiritual dimensions. Take care of your physical, take care of your physical. And they just kept telling me that. And they were just around me. It was so fucking clear. And you know, it's crazy before we actually started the ceremony, a spontaneous fire started lit beside us. Smoke started coming out of these pile of leaves. There was not a bonfire going. It's not like the sun was like, it just hit it in such a way, I guess. And then our leaders were like, they, I mean, everyone was just like, okay, well, you know, the energy is here. It was pretty cool. Okay, so then after they administer the rape, you just breathe through it. And then what they do is they open up the gates by burning your, it was my arm, the side of my arm, my upper arm. Um, I don't know. They do it with like a stick or something. They burn it. And then they. Looks like a stick and poke. Yeah. Got two of a few dots in vertical. I'll paste a picture on my Instagram. I'll post one if you guys want to see. And then they put the the combo, the poison, the frog poison in you. And before you, they actually open the gates, you're supposed to drink two liters of water because the way that combo goes throughout your body is through the medium of water. So you drink two liters, you just chug it. And then after they put the combo, you just... Again, you just kind of have to just breathe. It's a physical thing. It's not a mental. It's not a, you know, it's not a psychedelic. So you just feel what I felt like. I immediately started sweating like crazy. My gut felt like it was inverting and flipping upside down. And then I started, I felt it almost like directly. It went directly to my ovaries. Oh, wow. Directly. And then it went. So interesting. Yeah. My left ovary. I went to my left ovary, which is where I have an ovarian cyst. And then it went to my gut and then my heart was just pounding, pounding, pounding. And I was sweating. And then I just remember thinking, (laughs) I had the thought, I was like, why the fuck do I keep doing things like this? Like, why? (laughs) I thought about that while you're telling the story. I'm like, is that the moment Valentino is like, what the fuck am I doing with my life? Like, when did I arrive in the Costa Rican jungle? How did it come to Like these, these intense ass experiences, like why? And, but then immediately it came to me was that it was like, you're not, this is beyond you. 
you're shedding for your ancestors, you're shedding for your community and you're shedding for everyone who can't or who, you know, they, they need assistance in that. Like your body is a, is a vessel in this lifetime. And so I just sat through the sweat and the pain and all of that is only 10 minutes. So it's wow. quick. It's pretty quick, but it's, it's intense. It's like an extreme situation for 10 minutes and you just vomit, 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 vomit and go to the bathroom and sweat. And then you lay down and it's over. How do you feel afterwards? That night I had a headache and the next morning I felt incredibly clear. Like more clear than? Yeah. Typically I wake up and I need like an hour to assimilate to life. And I popped up out of bed. Well, that was this morning, Um, right? So that was my first combo session. My second combo session, which was yesterday morning, I ended up taking a medium dose of rape and an extra dot of combo. And this one was a lot easier physically on my body. Um, and the intention, I had one intention and the intention completely changed the second it hit my body. It was what entered my mind was I release any chains around my womb and my throat. And it was just all about my womb and my throat. And I felt my grandma Livia right next to me. And it was interesting because she didn't feel like this white energetic, like light angel being. It was like my abuela Livia. It was still her spirit. Like her human, a little bit of the 3D energy. A little bit of the 3D energy. And she, it wasn't like she was just like this enlightened being who was like, and now I pass this to you, you know? It was like the energy that she kind of had here. And for background, our abuela Livia, our grandma, her throat was locked. (laughs) Like metaphorically, not, you know, she wasn't sick in the throat, but like it was very hard for her to express herself incredibly hard for her to express herself and talk about discomfort, talk about feelings. It was hard for her to have intimacy. You know, we were sitting in front of her and there was a silent moment. She would start folding napkins or folding anything that was in front of her or playing with her nails or her hands or if she just could not bear any. She had a lot of anxiety. Yeah, she had a lot of anxiety. And I was always loved her but it was very hard to get close to her because she couldn't entirely let you in all the way and I remember I would ask her questions about her life and she would answer them but I it didn't feel as intimate as I as I knew it could with a grandma you know it was kind of like she was just a teacher telling me things Mm -hmm. with some of that warmth missing because it was hard for her to fully open up and I knew I had this knowing that I would be closer to her in her death than in real life and I was my hummingbirds came to me on her birthday after she died I I feel her spirit really strongly and I had this knowing during my my combo session was I'm sure it came down to all of us a little bit but I feel it really strongly that I hold her burdens I think I feel like a like at least I don't know I mean you you say your experience but I hold a I see her trauma in me. Yeah. <laughs> the first thing that came to mind. My ass. I was like, well, yeah, I mean, she gave you all her necklaces. <laughs> no, dude. This is the thing, too. No, right? but I mean, like, I do wonder. Like, a obviously, obviously, the petty have... side of me was like, 
those necklaces are nice, you know? It was just total chance. It's not like she was choosing you for the necklaces. It was total chance because it was always like um, a little bit of a raffle. A raffle. It was always She'd a raffle. She'd raffle her jewelry and Every Paula time. would like. And Valentino would always get <laughs> the right number. I'd be like, fucking shit. I'm like, this is and just I crazy literally... now. I could care less. I would just be like, ah, eh, three. Yeah, 22. Like, I would just shout things. And Paula would be like, let me sit and think. And then she would give. And then I would always win. And I would so get crazy. them. Right. And I, mean, and I knew it. And that, to me, every time I did that, I'm like, something's going to happen when she dies. Dude. She's one of my angels or something. And I really do feel like it is my responsibility to to break some generational trauma that she held. I ended a specific relationship with her in mind. Like I like I refuse to continue with the traumas that the women in my life felt like I carry them on my back strongly. And I really, really think of her and everything that she was unable to do because her, you know, raised Catholic needed to be quiet and tend the man and tend the family and put all her needs aside. And one of the scariest things I ever had to do was under a relationship with someone I deeply loved, but I had to get really real with myself that there were certain patterns that were playing out. And if I, if the, the generational trauma was going to break, it had to be through me, not, you know, Paula and my brother too. But like, I just knew, like, I feel very responsible for, for well, having were, very clear vision. And as you've I talked about this on the podcast, but it's like you were repeating the cycle of making yourself smaller for a relationship. Yes. So that's the pattern you are breaking. So that's the pattern I was breaking. Yeah. yeah. And then, and also it's been, you know, historically been, and still, it still definitely slips in. Hard for me to process emotions in real time and feel safe enough to let them out fully. You know, like I'm not someone who feels a certain way and is like, this is how I feel. And I'm super comfortable just letting all my stress out and letting all my, you know. Yeah, I, I I go internal a little bit and that's probably manifested in my, my health. You know how common that is though? I think we're all like a little bit hard on ourselves for wanting to express everything perfectly in the moment. But I would say for most people, there's a level often, unless you have an immediate fight response, there is a level of freeze that happens in our nervous system when emotional experiences get a little overwhelming and we need to step away to even make sense of what just happened. Mm -hmm. So that's really common. Yeah. And that's one of my things that I'm really, really, really working towards, you know, because what I recognize is when I don't let them out, they slip sideways. And then I end up being like a little more cutting than I meant to be than my next interaction with someone. And then it's just the cycle in this loop that repeats itself. And so then what happened after she appeared in 3D-ish form? Yeah. Well, just I knew it. I was like, hola, abuela. <laughs> I literally, I mouthed it. I was like, hola, abuela. And then I was like, I'm doing this for us. I'm doing this for us. I'm doing this for us. And I just kept saying that over like a mantra to get me through the pain. And then, you know, then I was good again. It's 10 minutes. It's crazy. It's like the most intense fucking experience. And then you're good. Like you're throw fully throwing up and they don't let you lay down. You have to sit up. And every time I'm like sitting there throwing up, I'm just thinking like, I just can't believe that you can't lay down. I just can't believe that that's a thing. <laughs> like you're so weak. You're so weak. There's like drool coming out of my mouth. I'm like bending over like the fucking hunchback of Notre Dame. Just like, help me. <laughs> 
but you have to sit up straight as straight as you can and just breathe through it. So then when, when it's over, do you, it's not necessarily that you have deep psychological insights. It's just your system is going to be a little cleaner. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people talk about how, cause I, I know people here who've done it and they're like, yeah, after I do this, I don't get sick for like a year. Nothing, nothing hits me. Really? There's some people who do it every single year. If you do it three times within a lunar cycle, then apparently that's supposed to be, that's what they call it, the vaccine of the jungle. It's supposed to just like boost your immune system. I guess it's probably going to be one of those things that plays out over time. Yeah. In terms of sure. you seeing the benefits of it. Yeah, definitely. Not something you don't, that you're going to feel right away. No. You know, mentally, I know I release some things, but I'll, I'll notice that as I move forth in life. Mm-hmm. And then I think I'm going to do the, a third session. I mean, I made it this far. I have to make it to the third. You have to finish the third one. Uh, I would like to. Yeah, I would like to. It's so uncomfortable, but I would like to. And this time I would like to do it on my back, on my spine, which apparently is just like nutty. But it's supposed to be just really, really deep. And if it's my third and I don't know when I'm going back to Costa Rica, I'm like, fuck it up. Let's do it. I'm sure during it, I'm going to be like, what was I thinking? <laughs> Why do I keep doing this? It's wild. There's so many and different treatments and approaches to getting our mind and body and physical health that are so alternative and have been around for so long. Yeah, I'm really thankful for it. I had I had these thoughts as I in the second one of, I just can't believe these things are not made accessible to the public or other more natural ways, you know? They make so many things so expensive in the States, at least, or maybe anywhere else. I don't really know, but just so systemic. But there's more natural ways of doing things that you don't, because a lot of times with medicine, it's a, with Western medicine, it's just a Band-Aid. You're never actually, you know, I was very thankful for my antidepressant when I had it, but I wasn't actually working through things when I had it because it wouldn't hit me as deeply. No, it just kind of suppresses everything a little bit. Enough to work through it, but it doesn't let you feel it to the full extent that you can feel it. And sometimes that's okay because depending on the circumstances you're in, it might, it may be too much to try to feel everything all at once. Like it has to be a a slowly defrosting type of situation when you go through a healing process. Yeah. Um, I think like, I think in my early twenties, you know, if I had, when I felt something really uncomfortable to tell me that I just had to sit there and feel it and just live with it would have been almost impossible. But now, you know, I have moments and on this trip, I've had moments of like, Oh God, this is deeply uncomfortable. I've been, I mean, this jungle is a giant mirror. I have seen all of my triggers up close and personal deeper than I think I actually ever have. And there's been moments where I've been like, like really, really, really super just heavy. And I'm like, okay, this is just like, let's, this is it. Like, this is just breathe. This is it. This is the moment. Breathe through it. We will get through it. But it's crazy when you do that. How just, you just feel so indestructible afterwards. It makes me wonder what I would experience if I went down there. <laughs> you see me running for the hills a weekend. We might take <laughs> it back. 
I don't Blasphemy. know. You could go either way. I know. I could. I could. You could go either way. I kind of love it here, though. I don't wear makeup anywhere I go. I go, like, if we're going to go out at night, I'm sweaty with wild hair and no makeup, and I still feel super sexy. I'm barefoot everywhere I go. I ride bikes everywhere. I could live here for a few months of the year. I love it. Now that good? I'm in, now that I've left the community, which is way more isolated and up in the mountains, you know, it took a minute like to get to town from there. You had to literally take like a go into four wheel drive and like through your car. But now that I'm actually in town and can just, you know, ride my bike to a cafe and to the beach, you can go to this. You can start your every morning with the beach and you can be barefoot. Twenty, Literally, you don't have to wear shoes ever if you don't want. And no one here really puts on makeup and no one here like the way that they dress up is just super beachy and I love that I love that yeah I know for a fact I need more nature in my life I'm not exactly sure where the next place is gonna be but I know that my brain does not benefit from being in a city all the time yeah because when people when you're in a city I don't know how it is in other in cities that maybe are by the ocean but Either way, when you're in a city, the the biggest thing is other human beings and your psyche. And in the moment you step outside and you're in front of a big ocean or a big mountain, that's bigger than you. And it immediately kind of humbles the the ego down a little bit. Like the priorities switch without you even having to have them switch. Yeah, I could, hear, I could hear the howler mon- monkey yeah. in the background there. Yeah, yeah, that was they're right next to me right now in the tree. They sound like dogs, but they're um, they're they're howler monkeys. When we were living in Omsat, which is a community that Sarah lived in, we um, would end every day in town taking a dip in the ocean, and it would just wipe everything away. It you don't have like, to. Yeah, you don't have to try to have a different no, perspective. No. It just immediate. It, it helps a lot. Nature medicine is a thing. It's I would just float thing. in the ocean and it would wipe away my sins. Like I felt baptized afterwards every yeah. time. Yeah. I think especially if you have a really powerful brain engine. That's something I've been. It's crazy because I guess the universe has been guiding me because just the way that my career has played out is not something I really plan for. I just was always naturally into psychology. I was always naturally picked it up really quickly, got through my AP classes with flying colors. I just, something my brain just always really understood was the layers of the human psyche. And then after undergrad, where I was like, I don't know if I want to be a part of society (laughs) because I was so burnt out. I didn't really think of it that way, but I was just so burnt out that I took time away. And then eventually my return back was like, I never came to this field. I know some people hear that I'm a therapist and they're like, oh, like that's such a noble thing to do. You know, you're just kind of giving yourself to service. Like, yeah, now there is service there, but it was just something that I was like, all right, all right. If I'm going to be a part of society, what would I not mind doing? And I was like, I can talk to people. (laughs) I'll talk to people. I mean, I do it anyways. Might as well, you know, might as well earn my living from it. And that can be my energetic exchange with community. And so then I I started, I went back to grad school. One thing led to another. And then I got hired into this, the Anxiety and Stress Management Institute that inadvertently 
was specialized in anxiety and OCD. And until I got there, I was, I had no idea what OCD was. You don't, you know, in the media, we have one portrayal of what OCD is typically. And it's just somebody that is very hyper clean or everything needs to be symmetrical. And yeah, that's a part of it, but that's just one manifestation. There's as many different manifestations of OCD as there are psyches and life experiences, because at the end of the day, it's just, it's a really powerful brain engine is how I would call it. So it's like, it's the machinery, you know, human beings are wired for survival, right? That's, we have sex drive, we have certain different drives, but the moment that our survival is in question, that trumps everything. That is the most powerful point of focus that our psyche can have. And when our psyche is focused on any kind of survival, that trumps everything else. Like everything else goes by the wayside. And so with OCD, what happens is that it's a brain that is hyper attuned and hypersensitive to threat. So it's got a very powerful threat response. And I remember that I started being in these courses and taking these workshops and they started describing how the OCD brain works. And I'd be like, interesting. Check. (laughs) This sounds kind of familiar. What's going on here? And it's crazy because the fact that I ended up working there, I was never going to become an OCD therapist when I started this journey. That wasn't ever going to, I didn't think about that. I didn't even know what OCD was. And so they're talking about it and I'm like, wow, that sounds particularly familiar. And I've been doing, um, I've been working with OCD, learning more about it, training with it, with anxiety. I mean, anxiety and OCD are two sides of the same spectrum. They're not, it's not a clear dividing line where one ends and the other begins because they're both this cyclical pattern of being aware of threats and trying to resolve them and your body being trapped in that pattern too of responding as if it's in danger when it could just be a thought. And so people that experience anxiety experience that, but with OCD, it's a little more acute. It's a little more acute and it starts, it starts generalizing to a lot of different things that don't necessarily even make sense. So the OCD brain tends to be very literal. Like if you have two kids in the same household and one of them has a predisposition for OCD and the other one doesn't, and the mom is like, hey, it's good to wash your hands because if not, you know, you might get germs and you could get sick. The OCD brain is like noted, underlined, circled, highlighted. I will never not be aware of this. And then it becomes hyper vigilant to whatever that is, you know, whether it's physical appearance is important. Okay, noted. Like I will never let this out of my awareness. Or whether it's just whatever it is, whatever it is that on some level you've picked up that mattered and it may not even be rational but what happens is there's a part of your brain that becomes very attuned to that the orbital frontal cortex is the region that we've kind of identified to be a part of it and so and then that sends messages to your uh emotional center which gets your body fired up and then as your body gets fired up your brain sends the message back and before you know it you're stuck in these ocd loops so so, and then you engage in a compulsion to try to get rid of it and at the end of the day it's a hyperactive threat response brain machinery situation 
And the only way to get out of it is to start challenging those compulsions because you have to habituate your brain and your system to realizing that it's not the threat that you have habituated yourself into thinking that it is or into experiencing that it is. So it's it's a process of getting rehabituated. But anyways, I say all that, my career led me down this path and then it's crazy because one of the things that my OCD clients struggle the most in is that then the brain picks up on like, well, do I really have it? Or am I just kind of making that up? Right? Like, really, is this really happening? And it took me three years, I think, of being an OCD therapist to start coming to terms with like, oh, no, this is way more present in my psyche than I ever wanted to, like I ever could see fully. And then I started looking back and I was like, this runs in our family. <laughs> like Abuela Livia, she had it. It's run in our families in different ways. And I think, I mean, it's so much more common than people think it is because of the way in which we live too. Kind of like what you're experiencing in the jungle. It's you are continuously habituating to tolerate higher and higher discomfort so your brain starts chilling out on what it considers a threat oh it's wild yeah when I first got here and I was sitting outside I saw this animal that looked like I don't I didn't know what it was and I just I could I couldn't move I had to sit where I was because of how close it was at that point and I was like I'm just gonna sit here and breathe through it and at first I go I literally was like so I was so scared. Be there's one thing when you see a scary animal and you know what it is. And there's another thing when you see a scary animal and you have no idea what it is. So you don't know <laughs> what it's fucking like makeup is. It's like, do you eat humans? Do you attack? Are you pleasant? Are you like, what are you? I'd never seen this animal in my entire life. It looks like a bear mixed with a cat mixed with a monkey. Yeah, that's what it looks like. Dude, you already know, like hearing you talk about that. I'm like, you already know that if I'm down there and I see an animal, oh, you I would don't know hop the fence. What it is, I would be, I would climb a tree. Like that's where now <laughs> I think back to it. Yeah. I have like the yeah. highest threat response. It's I'm so attuned, and, and like before I know it, my my instincts are already fully responding. Like yeah, you somehow would know how to do parkour and would be bouncing off. Trees like that animal would either get whacked and. <laughs> and completely obliterated or I would be on the roof of that house just without even knowing what's happening right my ass just sat there and started filming it and then I then I started seeing bugs and at first I'd be like oh my god is this spider hey I'd be like Sarah is this spider poisonous Sarah is this spider poisonous and I literally I'm like I don't give a fuck what it is I just I realize now like, it's actually not a big of a threat as I used to think, especially in, in America. Like, I saw a spider and I would be like, I would call my neighbor. Here and now I just grab it in my hand and I put it outside. I grab whatever I'm, whatever animal. I don't know half, what half of these insects are. None of them are familiar to me. <laughs> I'm just laughing because someone's <laughs> listening to this like, bitch, <laughs> you keep doing that. We'll see what happens to you. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, Valentina. <laughs> I, I'm like a fucking Eliza Thornberry down here. I just talk to them and I'm like, you know what? Your energy doesn't feel threatening. And I feel pretty attuned to the, the I, I've oriented myself pretty well to where I am at this point. You know, that I, 
pick it up and put it out. And you can get spider bites. Like Indy, Sarah's son has a scary ass spider bite on his leg right now, but he's fine. You just learn, you learn to, to do it. You know, if you go to the beach at night, you have to scrub your body because flesh eating bacteria is an actual thing that happens here. If you go to the beach at night, literally you have, you have to at least take one shower every 24 hours and scrub your entire body because you'll, you may get papillom oil. Papillom oil is a flesh eating bacteria that happens from sand fleas. Like this shit's no joke. <laughs> I'm just thinking to like when Steph, Steph and I climbed the sand dunes and then afterwards we we're both kind of in a more vulnerable position because we had sand all over the place. Like, you know, we're sticky or just the most uncomfortable thing. And Steph has a particular discomfort around disorder and just dirt. And so she's driving the whole way with her hands, like her palms of her hands fully open while she's driving because she's so uncomfortable. And all I could think about was I had gotten this fungus on my toenails. Sorry, guys. TMI. But I had gotten this fungus on my toenail. And because I was already uncomfortable, my brain was just like, there's a fungus on your toenail. There's a fungus on your toenail. There's a fungus on your toenail. And you know that anything that's like skin related yeah freaks me out oh, i've uh, thought about you so many times here with that skin <laughs> thing you have <laughs> yeah when you uh, got a spider bite i literally said to sarah i was like if paula's here she would be actually inverting right now because we there was this we didn't know what it was we we're like i think this is a spider bite let's hope and pray this is a spider bite <laughs> yeah but here's what's crazy that you're displaying in real time which i this was so interesting to me to hear your stories as an being an ERP therapist, because so you can tell somebody whose brain gets caught in loops around certain things being threatening, whether it's rational or not, you can tell people like, don't worry about that. Or that's not really a big deal. Like the last thing you want to do is reason with OCD. You know, like I can't, we can't sit there and convince somebody that something isn't threatening when the body feels like it's threatening. So the only thing that, and the part that's responding most aggressively to that being a threat is the amygdala and those emotional centers that send those signals like, uh-oh, you know, okay, cool. Something's wrong. I'm firing things up. The only way that that part of our brain learns is through experience. It doesn't learn through conversation. Conversation can set it up, but you have to actually move through it and see that the world didn't end and you have to disrupt the pattern of obsession compulsion and obsession can be anything that's like intrusive thoughts intrusive images just that threat awareness thought you have to interrupt it enough times to where that part of your brain stops firing so acutely to that particular threat and it's kind of like getting in a pool of water this is a metaphor i've been using a lot where if you know if the water if there's water that's like ice cold, you're not gonna convince somebody if they touch it, the water with their toe. You're not gonna be like, oh no! If you get in there, it's gonna get warm. Somebody that's never had that experience, they're gonna be like, bitch, this water is cold. <laughs> like, you're not convinced me? Are you kidding me? This is cold water. And then like that part of your brain is not just gonna take anyone's word for it. But then you get in, and actually, if you if you then dip your whole head in you'll notice that your body actually acclimates and suddenly it actually feels warmer in there. And the water temperature didn't change, 
but your response to it did because you acclimated, you habituated your brain to it. And then you can actually tolerate colder and colder water. And then it might even become a relaxing process. And that is how those emotional centers learn. They have to move through it. And, but first you've got to be able to identify that you're stuck in loops because those threat awareness parts of our brain are so good at being like, no, this is real that we can become convinced. Like we be, it convinces us that it's real. You know, it's not like, oh no, I'm not, you can't, you're not going to convince me that skin stuff, like weird skin stuff isn't gross, you know, or like creepy, like that's, but if it started disrupting my life enough, I would have to face into it and realize I'm really stuck on this. Like it may or may not be real, but at the end of the day, my brain is so frozen on this topic that something's got to give. And there's actually a saying in ERP therapy um, that I recently came across that is so genius, but anybody that struggles with getting stuck in mind loops around certain things being threatening, and you know you're kind of stuck in an OCD pattern, whether or not you have the official diagnosis, but you're stuck in this stuck loop of threat, Mm -hmm. emotion, threat, emotion. All you need to know is that all you need to be able to do is recognize I'm in a pattern. It doesn't matter if it's how real it is or not. Like, that's not the argument you want to get in. Yeah. All you want to be able to recognize, even if it's just with like a smidgen of consciousness, even if it feels like this is totally valid, is I am stuck in a pattern. My brain is repeating the same thing over and over again. And so that then you can be like, okay, well, that means that my emotional response center is really taking whatever hypervigilance this frontal part of my brain is having around this particular topic very seriously, and I'm stuck here. We're not meant to get stuck. That our capacity to pick up threats in the environment is to do something about it, but if we are constantly stuck on a topic, that's when you know, okay, something is malfunctioning. My human brain engine that's designed to help me survive is it's kind of misfiring, or it's overfiring. And we have to interrupt it. And going back to the pharmaceuticals conversation and being ready to hold space for that or being being ready to, to witness your brain do that and to hold space for it while it moves to the other side is a total skill. It's a pretty advanced psychological skill because it requires that we do something that only human beings are able to do, truly. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if my cats are doing this or if other animals are doing this, but as far as we know... Human beings are have a certain makeup that our system can be doing something very primitive, very biological, our brain. And we have the capacity to pull away from it just a little bit to be able to see it and to say, oh, this is happening. Yeah. So, so we're able to, to split. We're able to separate almost to to get into this bird's eye view perspective while your system may or may not be panicking and then to be able to override what your biology is doing through advanced training but until you realize that you're in those loops you're not you're just going to be in the loop you're going to be convinced like no this is actually no something needs to be done about this 
but then you don't feel free. And that's when you know, like something's got to give, there's something in my biological makeup in my brain that needs to be overridden because the system is misfiring. Oh, and what I was going to say is that pharmaceuticals, the approach that I was initially given, which was antidepressants and even Adderall to like override. Crazy dude, the Adderall, you with Adderall, I feel like would amplify that. It did. It did. It was just like, my brain was on fire, but then it was extra on fire. So I could get stuff done. So I could get stuff done, but it wasn't overriding it in a way of healing it. It was just a weird cocktail of chemicals that they were trying to give me. And now that I'm like essentially almost off of it and because of the training that I have for the first time in my life, I feel like I'm actually seeing it. Oh, wow. And how is that? Yeah, because I feel like in the we've we've had conversations you and I before where you've mentioned like that you slightly have experienced it. But as our last conversations have gone as of late, I'm I I actually wanted to ask you. I'm like, it seems as if it has almost turned up a notch, or your awareness of it, or something like you're waking up to it. Yeah, because before it was, and this is the irony, right? Even as an OCD therapist for so long, I've been like, I think I've, you know, there's I had all these disclaimers for like my brain at times has had. I had all these ways of phrasing it that was never like, no, my brain is actually doing this. And I think it's because for as much as I've been trained in the Western model, I don't like the word disorder. Yeah. It's not my favorite. But if I really think about it, it's like, okay, well, the human brain engine is not perfect. It's like just how the cars can miss, cars can misfire, computers can malfunction. Our brains can do that. And it takes an advanced psychological skill to be able to kind of step above it and separate from it enough to be like, oh, this shit's happening. I can relate to that on a, um, a smaller level with anxiety because anxiety amplified is OCD, right? Anxiety. Well, some researchers, some researchers would refer to anxiety now as OCD light because it's a very similar okay. mechanism, but not as aggressive. I know mine was aggressive because mine has been but in ways that you don't know that's why people don't understand OCD because it's not just about cleaning like I realized (laughs) I swear I spend half the time in session with my clients cracking up because of things (laughs) that that the brain does it can be actually hilarious like like really think about what it's catching on to but I (laughs) (laughs) you know that one of my biggest triggers has been feeling trapped, feeling trapped. Like if you think back to, if I, I, I recently put this together, every other journal entry that I had as a child was my plan for running away. If you look at it, it was like, I had these elaborate plans. Every time my parents would get mad at me or anything would happen, I'd be like, dear diary, this is the day that I run away. <laughs> like I just had all these plans for my freedom and just nobody like just feeling trapped happens to be one of my triggers. And I bought this condo and I, Oh God. Yeah. And I bought this condo and at the same time I've been on the per on the journey of titrating down these medications. Mm. And so it was like everything came together and I didn't realize that I've really been just blaming it on the condo. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> no, it's this condo. It's the condo. But at the same time, if I'm able to step back from it, I'm like, okay, you can be upset about a condo, but if your brain is spinning about it all day long, there's something there that needs to be assessed. Mm-hmm. Right? And so that's being off of the medications along with where I am in my parts system work and along with where I am in my ex- experiences in um, ERP therapist, exposure response prevention, I'm, I'm, I'm almost seeing my brain from a bird's eye view. It's really crazy. Like I can see it happening and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Or, you know, like my other thing was I breakfast was one of my has been one of my triggers. Oh, Jesus Christ. The vein of our existence growing up was Paula needing to have her fucking proper breakfast and everything had to be at a specific temperature. Oh, being in fucking (laughs) your Euro tripping back. No, that's what I was thinking about. Like, it's one thing to my brain would just get so rigid around these things that I don't know where breakfast became one of the things, but it became one of the things. And I remember like in Europe, Sebastian didn't let me get breakfast one morning. And I was, I was crying. (laughs) I was literally crying because he made me get on the train before I could go through the routine of getting my coffee and my biscuit or whatever it was. And I was actually crying. Like it was literally very distressing. And because, well, that's how it becomes. Your brain starts generalizing the threat awareness to things that maybe don't even make sense. Like they don't even have to make sense. But as far as your nervous system or emotional system is concerned, like you're actually in danger. <laughs> so... <laughs> so it's been crazy. It's just been crazy. Like this year has been just so insightful it's almost like the universe was like i can't get this bitch to like sit down and get like really see it and the thing is it didn't start with me this has been present in our family lineage on both sides oh yeah totally it's present on both sides and i um i mean i almost with anxiety being kind of this pattern at a lighter version It's almost like the human brain is misfiring threat awareness. It's not just mine. Mine just happens to be a little more acute. And I have to do behavioral things to interrupt it so it doesn't buy into its own pattern. Because it's almost an, an addictive pattern, actually. A lot of people, researchers will talk about OCD patterns being very similar to addiction. Like, I'm getting uncomfortable, I'm getting uncomfortable, I need to do the thing. Right. Versus I'm getting uncomfortable. This is great because this is when my emotional system is going to get an opportunity to rehabituate to a new level. That cold water metaphor just came to me in the last couple of weeks. I'm like, that's exactly what it is. And that's exactly what you've been experiencing in in Costa Rica. But the thing is, until we wake up to just to our brain, that it doesn't matter how accurate or it is or it isn't, you know, it doesn't matter if it helps you to have the diagnosis, have it. it. It's helped me to come to terms with like, I like looking at it from a neuroscience perspective. Cause that helps me where I'm just like, Oh no, I can, I can actually, I can visualize the mechanisms like front to back just in this loop. And I have to be like, interrupt. 
kind of takes the emotional stigma or opinion out of it. It's just like, we got to interrupt this shit. But yeah, I mean, it, it follows that addictive pattern where it's like, I'm getting uncomfortable. I got to do the thing. I'm getting uncomfortable. I got to do the thing. And for me, a lot of it has been internal too. Not, not always compulsory, but in, in, in like pure O, it would be referred to as just thoughts where it's like, this thing is bothering me. <laughs> like my brain has to, my brain is going to circle it over and over again because the brain engine is doing the best that it can to problem solve something that there's no solution for because it's an, it's an overestimate of the problem. Like at some point you just got to get above it and go get in that cold water. Like there's no reasoning with it. People can't reassure you enough times. You just, you got to get over the emotional experience of it to get to the other side. Yeah. And I could see how it helps literally just is throwing yourself in there. You know, with my experience of what I was going to say earlier with my anxiety is that before I would feel the anxiety and I would think like, oh my God, I need answers. Oh my God, I'm in danger. Oh my God, I got to go home. I got to do this. And now when I feel that it, for me, it's an alarm clock of um, just going to the bird's eye view and being like in these, in this moment, we're just not going to really fully believe all these emotions. We're just going to feel them, but we're not really going to believe all of them. Like we're not going to come up with conclusions for what this actually signifies. And it gets easier and easier and easier every time. And for me, this past year has been really diving into deep discomforts. And it's been my greatest gift to myself is facing the fear head on. And it's been really, really scary. But it's they're all like combo ceremonies, right? It's like this 10 minutes. First, it was a few days maybe. And then it's less. And then it's an hour. And then it's a few minutes of when I get when I face these super super uncomfortable moments it's the greatest gift being able to just dive into them and showing yourself that they're not gonna break you they're not they're never gonna break you and I say that I say that from someone speaking as a personal level from anxiety you know I don't I'm not you can speak from the the OCD side where it's probably a lot harder maybe you know and you might need different tools. The thing with anxiety, when it's just generalized, when it's just anxiety and has it crossed over, you can still reason with it. It you, used to cross over for me. I used to have to have had, specific. You've had little episodes. I've had little episodes. Yeah. The way that I handled it, I don't know if this is unhelpful to mention, but literally the way that I handled it was like, this is my, I could feel my whole body ramping up every time I would fall into the loops. And I've said this before in the podcast is that one day I just decided to drop all fucks. And just my main thing was like, if I die, I die. If I die, I die. <laughs> like, I don't care anymore. Oh, this is a saying that I was going to mention earlier. I don't think I said it. I glossed over. I was just throwing so much information on this conversation. But there's a saying um, in ERP treatment that is better sane than safe. So it's the opposite of what we're kind of wired to do, which is like safe, 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 safe. And it's almost like yeah. this brain engine has become so obsessed with safety that it's, yeah. that's just what that reminded me of when you said that. Like, yeah, I mean, that's what got me out of a lot of my things is I would be like, okay, let's just for, you know, shits and giggles because I can't get out of this stress. Let's just, what's the worst case scenario. I would like to go down the loop of the worst case scenario 
And it would always end up being, if you go deep enough, it's death or something, you know? And I'm like, well, I don't really care if when I'm dead, I'm dead. And then, you know, I used to be scared of death. So then I would meditate on death. And like, I was just like, what is the darkest thing that this is trying to take me to? I'm just going (laughs) to go there. I'm just going to go there because I'm tired of being scared and stressed. I'm just laughing because when I started becoming an ERP therapist that I was learning new tools and I would I start introducing you to the one of like maybe it is maybe it is dude that shit would piss me off all the way I would come up to Paula and I'd be like Paula you know I'm nervous that this is gonna happen and she's like maybe it is maybe it isn't and I'm like I will punch you in the face <laughs> <laughs> I really will what I've noticed in clients that are more inclined to exist their brain is more of a an acute OCD spectrum situation it's harder to shift over when i have clients that have more that stay more in the generalized anxiety one where it's not as aggressive of a loop there's a couple things we can do a couple little tweaks here and there and they pick it up much quicker so with ocd it's it's an actual it's a little bit you have to be more consistent more aggressive about interrupting the loops on a regular basis but you have to first become aware that it's even happening because otherwise you believe it it's very convincing. You know, I could convince myself that it was absolutely critical for me to have breakfast and I could have all kinds of arguments for it. But to be at that level of literally bawling because I couldn't get my breakfast. Now I look back on it and I'm like, <laughs> one does not match the other. <laughs> like my life was not in danger. It was just a coffee. Right. Um, but I think IFS has helped a lot. And this is something we can probably get into more in the next podcast because it has helped me witness my the parts of who I am. And so even I can see the OCD as a part. It's like the OCD part, my stuck part. And the moment that you start using that language, you it inherently creates space between the 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 psychological experience and your awareness of it. And the moment you can become aware of it, you're not it. It's a part of you. You witness it. But the moment you become aware of it and can have a name for it, <clears throat> even if it's just a sliver, a sliver of space, that sliver is enough for you to, you, you become bigger than it. And what I'm experiencing with IFS is that you almost, essentially where you're getting to is that you're stepping into your spirit. You're stepping into your consciousness, the most neutral, middle ground, just your self with a capital S. Yeah, where good or bad is not a thing, right or wrong. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's not these parts. The seed of the observer. Yes, exactly. And it helps because you are creating distance and space from the parts that are scared so that then you can come back and hold them. And that's been a game changer for me recently, being able to pair that with exposure response prevention, because then it's almost like you're this parent that sees the part and you just kind of practice getting into that energy of the self and then you can come back and hold it, which is the next level of mindfulness practice that's more up to date with the times because the traditional mindfulness practices and meditation practices even Muji, who I love, and certain teachers at Cartoli, like, it's about separating from it 
so that you can transcend it. And that's not what I'm learning is that in experiencing it's not the path of least resistance because then those parts fire back a little more aggressively at first because it's almost like they're being abandoned or they're not being heard or whatever versus separating from it so you can come back and hold it. And through that, you're helping it transcend. The other strategy didn't do it for for me or for part. You know, when you say like, you can notice the parts and be, and be like, I'm just not going to listen to them. That works for me sometimes. It's very, it's, Valentina's trying to play the howler monkeys and they're not. Do you hear the monkeys? There's a rainstorm happening behind me. So just, just a little FYI. Um, the internet may or may not cut out. Pray to God as we wrap this up. But tell me you're, what you're saying. So for me, please finish. Yes. When you have parts of you that are such aggressive protectors, which is essentially a way that you could view OCD through. They're not, if you go to war with them, they're going to fight back even harder. So you, it's better to come back and, you know, as uh, Dick Schwartz says it, the creator of all this, or he's the one that put a lot of this terminology together, is that you almost become like a bodhisattva of your own psyche. I don't know if you know what a bodhisattva is, but it's it's an enlightened being that in the Eastern tradition somebody that would reach enlightenment, but instead of going off into the mountains, would come back to society to help other people transcend. So you're essentially tapping into your spirit, the most compassionate, neutral part of who you are. That's always there. We've all felt it at different times. We've all tapped into it. So then you can come back and hold these parts that are scared or fragmented or polarized and help them come back into the center. It's really advanced psychological stuff, but it's really cool. The more I get a grasp on it, the more I'm like, oh, this is what's happening. Kind of forming my own little map of the psyche over here. So has it been helping you with the condo? Yeah. I mean, there's still moments. <laughs> yeah. There's still moments, but it has helped. It has helped Just- to, to give my brain a break because I can notice it obsessing and I it and it may catch me for a moment, but then I'm much more quickly able to be like, this is what's happening, you know? And it's it's kind of like breaking an addiction. And you, yeah. you have to because if, you know, I'm not going to stay here forever or whatever, but if I'm going to be able to make a next move, I have to be clear-minded enough to make that move. I can't be stuck in these loops. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny. They say, you know, what we need the most is what we become, like what we teach. So it makes sense that your, your journey, and it's the same with me with breathwork. You know, I was a very frozen child. I kept every, I stuffed as much into myself as I absolutely possibly could. And I suppressed and froze it. And my thing has become breathwork, which the ultimate thing is about breathwork is releasing. Yeah. So it's nothing to be, You know, sometimes it's easy to have, and you and I have talked about this, where you feel a little vulnerable talking about this as a therapist, and I feel a little vulnerable talking about my things as a breath worker, but then it's because the world likes to look at through the lens of perfection. You have to be fully healed to be in a relationship, fully healed to be a teacher, fully healed to do this. And it's like, no, we're fully just like diving in the muck with with ourselves and finding the lessons and, and putting it out there. Yeah. Right. It's like, like, this is what I've understood about it so far. Yeah. This is where my studies have taken me so far. 
and if you can, you know, come along with. Come along with. Holy come yeah. Along with. No. I'll, I'll show you what I know so far. And it's constant. It's always an evolution. It's always, it's never done unfolding. But yeah, that, that's, that's how it is. It's, that's my offering so far. This is what I'm understanding. A year from now, we'll see what depth that understanding is at. But I do feel like for the first time, I'm really getting a view of what goes on for me at, at a brain level with more objectivity than I've ever had. Yeah, at the end of the day, I'm glad that I am where I am with all the tools that I've learned and all the practices I've encountered to get to this point. Because, you know, what's crazy is at the beginning of this year, I, I put out to the universe, I was like, I want to f- step into the energy of freedom more. <laughs> and it's almost like some cosmic joke where you know you never know what you're asking for. And so what the answer I got was, all right, we're going to show you the places where your brain isn't free. And you're going to have to get really uncomfortable to really see that. And that's why I'm grateful that I am where I am on my journey of pharmaceuticals too, where it's literally like almost fully out of my system because, but because I have the tools to rewire it now. So yeah, that's been my journey of ERP. So thank you guys for tuning in with us and joining us on this journey. We always- Through the jungle, through the city. Through the psyche. Through the psyche. And the body. We'll learn to be the navigators of this human existence more and more consciously on this journey together. We love you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for bearing with us as the jungle decides that we cannot record. But we will (laughs) record when we can. And I'm only here for one and a half more weeks. So hopefully these will pattern out work out yes we love you guys and just remember that all parts of you are welcome here los queremos mucho peace out